This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 480 with Becky Mollenkamp. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 480. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. To get started with a therapist and get 10% off your first month of therapy, go to betterhelp.com slash shameless. That's betterhelp.com slash shameless. Becky Mollenkamp is a certified coach who believes everyone deserves to feel powerful and fulfilled. She owned a six-figure content marketing agency for a dozen years before becoming a coach in 2017. Through her one-on-one services and courses, Becky has coached thousands of women to dream and play bigger while also finding contentment in the here and now. Becky joined me on the show to talk about how her life fell apart at the hands of her brother's death from addiction and her own infidelity, and how she picked up all the pieces to rebuild a life that brings her simplicity, joy, and peace. So listen in to hear Becky share how she looks on her brother's death from addiction with gratitude how she came to forgive herself for her brother's death and for infidelity in her marriage, how she actively worked through the 12 steps of AA and NA to work through layers of forgiveness, how she built her life after everything fell apart, and how she clarified what she wanted every step of the way, how you can make empowered choices without falling into the should trap, 
The contrast of her picture-perfect fancy life that didn't fulfill her versus her less fancy life today and how she gives herself permission to not love all the parts of parenting. Oh, this is so relatable. (laughs) So I'm very, very excited to welcome Becky to the show. Becky and I are actually in another community together, and she is just a gem and a rock star, and I have been admiring her for the last handful of months, and so I'm very excited to share her with you all. I know you're going to learn something. You probably are going to laugh a few times, and you might come back a second time to take more notes. So with all that said, let's welcome Becky to the show. Becky, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to have our chat. I know. And I have to share with our guests. So when you first scheduled to come on the show, I think I had heard your name one or two places, maybe in the weeks since then, I see you everywhere. (laughs) So (laughs) I mean, maybe it's social media algorithms. I don't know. but I love seeing you everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to think it's not, but it might be the red Jeep phenomenon. It's like when you start thinking about buying one, you see them everywhere. And previously, you're like, I never saw a red Jeep. So who knows? Yes, yes, totally. I have an old business coach who had an orange car. And when I saw her orange car, I was like, that's so unique. She's like, no, now that you've seen one, you're going to notice them everywhere. I'm like, yeah, it's true. I do notice orange cars all the time now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? How that it's interesting how the brain works. Yes. So we are recording this in a pandemic in the middle of a cultural revolution, like the world has never been like it is nor will it ever be the same again. So how are you doing right now with all of these things? Well, I am hiding in my office because my husband and child are home and they are always home. <laughs> and it's very hard. Always. Yeah, I'm an introvert. And I knew that. But pandemic has really put a spotlight on just how introverted I am. And I think it's funny because I hear extroverts who include my husband complaining because they just want to get out and do things, right? He's just feeling trapped and whatever. And my only complaint is that I'm not getting enough alone time, <laughs> like because now suddenly they're always here. And it's so I'm, you know, we're making it through it, but it's tough. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I'm an extrovert, but barely. So I love my moments of being extroverted. And then I really love recovering from extroversion. And I like you, like there's no recovery time right now because <laughs> there's always people. No, it's just not. And then when you're, it's interesting being an introvert married to an extrovert because he's got these needs of like one that now I kind of am the person who have to, has to fill them because there's no one else around. And then it's like, oh, it's just zapping everything out of me. So I just am tired a lot right now. Yeah, my husband every now and then I'll be like, well, do you like want to play a game or something? I'm like, no, I want to like sit and do the coloring app on my iPad <laughs> right, <laughs> with my headphones on. And then they get kind of offended. Like, what do you mean you don't want to spend time with me? It's like, I'm doing nothing but spending time with you. It's just not the quality time that, you know, he's looking for. So it's interesting. It's really, I, I don't think we're alone and that it's highlighting all kinds of interesting pieces of marriage and of your own <laughs> abilities to function yes, in solitude and all sorts of things. It's been really interesting. Yeah. How old is your child? He is four. Four. Okay. So I have a seven-year-old and I'm so grateful that he is the age that he is because he has a level of independence that I didn't fully appreciate until right now. So how independent is your four-year-old? Not as independent as maybe some <laughs> four-year-olds. He's an only child, and he's a lot like his dad in that they are both quality time people, if you've done the five love languages. And so I wish that they could do their quality time with each other, which they do, <laughs> but it seems like I'm the glue. Like mm-hmm. For both of them, I'm the one they want to spend quality time with. So there's just a lot of, on me, and my child is so sweet and wonderful and smart and all kinds of great things, but he's also pretty needy and doesn't play alone. 
pretty much ever. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot in the pandemic. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the dynamics beyond your bio in your personal and professional life and what you're most excited about right now. So we know things are hard and different and weird, and we don't know when they're going to change or shift or evolve <laughs> into a more final resting place. But what are you most excited about right now? Well, I know it says beyond my bio, but honestly, right now, because of everything that's going on, what I'm most excited about is work because this is my time to be alone, to be myself, to feel like a human outside of like momming all the time. (laughs) And so I'm most excited when it's my time because my husband and I split our day down the middle, basically. So we each get a certain amount of alone time and then time with the kid. And so my alone time is mostly spent working because it's what I'm most excited about and where I can feel most like my old self. So I'm really excited about work. I'm really excited about some of the things I'm putting together. I've created so much in this pandemic. And in that way, I'm grateful for it. Like I have been in massive production mode since it started just because I'm feeling inspired. And it's the place where it's my outlet. So that's what I'm most excited about. But then, you know, personally, I'm also trying to finally do more like taking better care of my health. So I'm eating better. I'm off of gluten and sugar. I did it once before and then lost my way over the holidays and didn't find my way back until recently. So I'm back to, you know, trying to eat better and move my body more. And that part feels good too. Nice. So you get the award for making progress in a pandemic because I feel like very few people are like, I'm actually doing more work than ever and taking better care of my health. Everyone I've taught, not everyone, but most people are like, I'm not exercising as much. I'm eating a bunch of junk and I'm working like one hour a day instead of eight. Okay. So like, listen, we are at what, four months into the <laughs> The first three months were not so great. It was, I mean, I've been productive in work, but not with my health. And now I'm making up for what I, yeah. I kind of went into the same thing a lot of people did, which is like, well, we're just home. So let's just like eat what we want, be comfortable and, you know, curl up and whatever, like comfort foods and everything. And now I'm paying the price for that. So no, I've only recently started getting back onto my, um, trying to take better care of my health. The work stuff is just truly, it's because it's the only place I I feel like I can like escape. Yeah. So I have been really productive. I'm working a lot less hours, but I am way more focused in the hours that I have now. Yeah. That's been a a big lesson for me as well Is like, oh, you actually can get a lot done in a fraction of the time. (laughs) So remember that moving forward. I learned that lesson when I left the nine to five grind. It was like, oh, that's right. When you're not backed up with meetings all day, you can get a lot accomplished. And then I think the longer you're self-employed, it's kind of like, oh, well, I'll just take a little break here to go do the laundry or to watch TV or do whatever. And now that I like am truly, I only have those three hours or four hours at my desk in a day. It's like, okay, I'm going to get stuff done. Totally, totally. So I'm going to take us back. We're going to talk about your life 10 years ago, pre-pandemic, before the pandemic, before motherhood for you. So in 2010, your world fell apart. And before we dive into the falling apart part, can you tell us a little bit about your life leading up to that time? And why was it so difficult to make a change in your life prior to the falling apart piece? Yeah, well, I'm a product of our culture, of a patriarchy, which I like to blame a lot of this on. Me too. So you're in good company. You know, I grew up doing everything I thought I was should, quote unquote should. I was a quote unquote good girl. I did what good girls do, which is like, we don't cause problems and we don't make waves and we just do the things we're supposed to do and make the people around us happy. And that was kind of the lesson I learned throughout my life. I come from a long line of martyrs, I like to say, and codependent women. And I learned a lot of those lessons. And 
while there were certain parts of that that I rebelled against, it wasn't until later in life I realized how much of it I internalized. And so I was doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do. Like I said when I was eight that I would be a writer when I grew up. So that's just what I would do. And even when I started to think maybe I don't love this, it's like, well, who am I to say that? This is what I said I'm going to do. So like I have to do this. And, you know, I met somebody and he was nice and we had what seemed like a good relationship. And I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't do the things I was supposed to do. Everyone asked us when we were going to get married. So it was like, eventually, okay, I guess we're going to do that. And I just kept going through the motions and building a life that, you know, seemed good to the outside world. It certainly did. And I can try to convince myself that it was and everything on paper was really good. I had all the things that all the trappings of a great life, a big custom built home or shiny red BMW, we could travel whenever we wanted, wherever we wanted, because, you know, I had plenty of discretionary income, we didn't have a kid, so it was really easy, like, everything just seemed good. And it's hard to make a change when everyone else is saying like, wow, what a great life, because you start to feel really ungrateful. Mm, yeah. And how old were you when you got married? Well, I waited such a long time for the Midwest. I was 24 because we were together for seven years before that. I met him when I was 17. So yeah, I was married. What doesn't sound as young, although I think hopefully it's starting to sound young, but the standards of the people around me, it was not that young, but it was somebody I met at 17. So basically I was coupled since 17. Yeah. Yeah. So your world looked amazing on paper and you felt like you couldn't walk away from it or change it because that would look like you weren't grateful for what you had. And so talk a little bit about how things started to fall apart and what that looked like when you did decide to start walking away. Yeah, I mean, things started to change in 2009, because that's when the weight of that started to happen. And I think part of that is like, age, I was hitting my mid 30s, where I think a lot of women start to do a little more introspection and think about what do I really want? And what is is this the life I want? And not just women, I think all people sort of in your 20s, it's just kind of like, well, this is just I'm just going through my life. And then in your 30s, you start to think like, well, what do I really want? And so that was starting to happen. And I was starting to think, boy, I'm just not really happy. But I couldn't put words to it. Because again, everything seemed like it should be good. What was missing? I didn't know. I just knew something wasn't right. So, you know, I started to have those feelings and started to deal with like, I don't know what this means. And that was really rough because I didn't know what to do. And so it wasn't until in 2010 when everything collapsed because a bunch of things happened at the same time, which we can talk about, that I finally walked away and made changes. But leading up to that, instead of being able to confront it, I was Like, you know, I started to have an emotional affair because I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was. And then this thing showed up and started to feel good. And so, okay, I'll do that. And then that didn't really solve it. So then it was like I moved into I had a physical affair, you know, and that was something I never would have thought I would do. But I was looking, I couldn't have told you at the time, but now upon reflection, I realized like I was just desperately searching for something that was going to fill the void or something that was going to give me the answers that I was looking for when I didn't even know what the question was. So did you have a sense of searching at that time? Or did you feel more reactive, like an opportunity would present itself in front of you, you know, to connect with someone else or whatever the situation may be, and you were just reacting to that? I think at the time I would have said I was reacting, but I can see now I was searching because I was really looking for something. You know, it was like, well, this, whatever I'm at now isn't 
doing it. So what might, and was just trying all kinds of things. I got really into physical fitness at the time. I lost a lot of weight. I now realize I was also really depressed, but then that like created me feeling like, Oh, I look so amazing now. Right. And so then like showing up differently in the world because I look differently, people were treating me differently. And I was trying on a bunch of different hats of like, what else could I do? And everything had to be like a hobby because I still had this, you know, the career I said I was going to want and that was so great and that I needed to keep, but it was like, okay, well maybe I could be a personal trainer because that would maybe fill something, but that didn't do it. And then it was like, okay, well maybe if I just try and get new friends, which I did and that didn't do it. And then it's like, well, what if I started talking to this person who is making me feel really good because of how I look? Well, that didn't do it. And then it was like, honestly, I even had a friend who said, maybe you just need to have an affair and maybe that'll just like take care of it. Like then you'll just get over this. Like, you know, and at the time I was just so confused and lost and unsure that it was just like, okay, I guess I'll try that and see if that does it. Like, I really thought maybe that was just going to be the thing that would be like, I'll just get whatever this is out of my system. But obviously that doesn't work and didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I've never heard of that advice working out well for people. (laughs) Maybe you should just go have an affair. See if that's the answer to this. That'll be it. That'll just take care of everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I appreciate 10 years of distance to be able to laugh at that. (laughs) Oh, right. Well, you know, maybe not at the time, but it didn't take long before I was able to kind of look back and say like, wow, I was acting like really stupid. (laughs) What was I thinking? But I just, and I don't expect any sympathy. I'm sure there's plenty of people who would be listening to this saying like, well, she's horrible. She had an affair and there's no okay for that. And they're right. Like, not that I'm a horrible person, but there isn't a justification. That wasn't okay. It wasn't acceptable behavior. Um, And the time that I was doing it, I knew it wasn't, but I didn't know one, I didn't know how to have confrontations. It's not something. I'm still very comfortable with, but I've learned much more. But at that time, I definitely couldn't. So it was like, I didn't even know how to have a difficult conversation with my partner at that time. And I didn't even know what that conversation was. So I didn't know how to have the conversation when I didn't even know what it was. And I just really felt hopeless. And I just was looking really for anything that was going to make me feel better. Yeah, I love that you brought up that, that like, no one needs to approve of you having an affair and that people don't necessarily need to understand it. And also that it doesn't make you a bad person. Because I think that this is, I'm very fascinated around pieces of infidelity, because I think that there's so much judgment. So I love that, first of all, you just talk about this very matter of factly, like this is like, I am Becky, and this is something that I did and a choice that I made. And it's like this very neutral statement, because I think that we often can't talk about infidelity in a neutral way. And you can recognize like, this wasn't appropriate, this wasn't, you know, a great decision, but it's a piece of who I am. I'm curious if getting to a place where you can talk about that from a neutral place, what has that been like? That all of that came right before in 2010, in the space of just a couple of months, my grandmother died, which was, you know, I mean, it's a grandma, it was sad. But it was hard. And it was my mom's mom, which was very hard for her. And then within three months, my brother died of a drug overdose, which then was obviously like for my mom, her entire world fell apart. She had lost her mom. She lost both of her parents at that point. And then she lost her son. And I lost my brother. He was 30. So it was he was young. It wasn't that I could say it's unexpected when you have somebody who's an addict in your life. It's always a possibility. But I wasn't like saying, oh, he'll die today. You know, so it was definitely difficult. So that coupled with then everything happened with came to a head with my marriage and that ended up ending. And because of that, I ended up like losing that custom house that I talked about in moving into a little apartment and struggling financially. All of that happened. So it was hard at that time for me to even sort of deal with the feelings of the affair. <laughs> you know, it was like, because it really all came so quickly. Everything just sort of came to a head. It was like the world just crushed down on top of me. And so I didn't for a long time even really acknowledge that I had done it or felt that bad about it or even thought about it because it was just like, it was almost the least of my problems, but I caused a lot of hurt 
obviously for my ex, I caused a lot of hurt for him to which, you know, I owe him great apology because that wasn't okay. And, but I had to more importantly than anything, just had to forgive myself. And so the process of rebuilding my life and everything that followed with my brother helped me with that. And that's where like now, 10 years later, even more than being able to matter of factly say like, Oh, I'm Becky. I had an affair and I'm not a bad person. I'm able to say like, I forgive myself for everything, (laughs) you know, because my brother's death. Oh, actually what I was going to say was more than anything. I'm able to now say, I look back on that, my brother's death with gratitude. And that's a hard thing to do to say like, grateful someone died, but it gave me a gift that I wouldn't have had otherwise because his death then caused me to go through stages of grief and a lot of development and self growth that included learning to forgive myself because I had to forgive myself for his death and anyone who's had an addict in their life understands <laughs> that there's a lot of issues that come up that you need to forgive yourself for tough love and things like that. So by going through that process of forgiving myself for his death, I mean, if I can forgive myself for his death, then I can forgive myself for having an affair. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. This episode is supported by better help. So better help is online therapy. It's just like traditional therapy, except for that it's way more accessible and more affordable. So online therapy is such a great, great solution to many of the problems that you might be struggling with right now, many of the pressures that you are facing. If you are struggling with depression or anxiety or unhealthy behaviors and habits that have crept in, especially during this time right now, BetterHelp can help you out. I actually did their intake form just last week, and it was quick, simple to the point and allowed me to connect with a therapist in a short amount of time in order to engage services. Because I'll tell you, just like you, 2020 is wearing on me. (laughs) I am feeling a little overwhelmed and my anxiety is definitely, there's been an ebb and a flow to it, but there's times when it's feeling really overwhelming and it's impacting my energy. And I want to be able to talk this out. I want to be able to have a place to process because I can just feel so many things stacking up on top of each other that for me, I know how I manage that is through like anxious behaviors, anxious tendencies, and I often impacting my sleep. And that's not where I want to be. I can't afford to lose that energy. I can't afford to lose that sleep. So I went ahead and filled out the, went ahead and created and filled out an online profile at BetterHelp. And I'm getting matched up with my own therapist, which I'm so excited about. So BetterHelp is helping over 1 million people who've decided to take charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. All of their therapists are professional licensed therapists. And when you get started with them, you can get started with an actual person in under 48 hours. So you can really get on the road to getting support, getting help, getting some healthy coping skills in place really quickly. If you want to check out BetterHelp, all you have to do is go to betterhelp.com shameless, and you're also going to get 10% off your first month when you go there. So that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash shameless. They also have tons of reviews there. So if you know, if you're like me and you like to read the reviews and make sure that like everything's on the up and up, go check out the reviews. Go to betterhelp.com shameless today. Can you talk a little bit more about forgiving your the piece of addiction and forgiving your forgiveness around having a uh, close person who's an addict pass away from addiction? Yeah, I mean, we grew up in a divorced household, and I was five and a half years older than my brother, so significantly older. And at least when you're that age, it feels big. <laughs> and we had a working mom, and she had a hard time. You know, she had a hard life with 
divorces and struggles. And I was put into, I was a parentified child, as they call them. I was, took care of my brother a lot, was responsible for a lot of his care, emotionally and physically. And I always thought of myself as sort of another mother, right? But when his troubles reached a certain point, I had to, well, I didn't have to because my mom didn't, but I chose tough love. I chose that to say, I can't have this in my life. I can't be a part of your life if you're going to continue to make these choices for yourself because it's harming myself and this is harming me and my emotional well-being. And so I made a hard choice to say that I'm not going to be a part of your life. And that meant I didn't get to spend the last few years of my brother's life with him in my life, really, other than the times, the really tense, uncomfortable times of being around my mom with him. And that also caused a lot of pain between my mom and I, because we made different choices. And, you know, guess what? The result was the same. Whether I chose tough love or my mom didn't, the result ended up being the same, which for anyone who is dealing with these feelings and feeling like there's a right choice, there isn't. The only choice, you know, difference was my mom was able to live feeling like she did all she could. And I was able to live feeling like I took care of myself and I protected myself and not two of us didn't have to be harmed in this situation. Right. But there's something you have to get, you know, there's a lot of forgiveness that has to go on, whether you chose to enable you know, there's not a better word for it, whether you chose to enable and what worry about what that means. Did you enable and that caused it? Or, you know, whether you chose tough love and did that cause it, that alienation that he might have felt that, you know, withdrawal of love. Either way, there's a lot of guilt that comes up and there's a lot of work to do to forgive yourself there. Yeah, it's funny. And like just serendipitous that the interview I recorded right before this was also around forgiveness. So this is like the theme of the day. <laughs> um, so I'm curious around the process of forgiveness of yourself around your brother's death and then also forgiveness of yourself. Like the stuff that happened around your brother, you made some conscientious choices, but you ultimately couldn't be responsible for the choices that he made. And then when it comes to infidelity, these are choices that you like really actively made, whether, you know, some of them were probably not super premeditated and thought out, but you did choose to engage in a relationship with someone outside of your marriage. And I'm curious if the forgiveness, like if it was different between those two scenarios and then how you worked through those similarly or differently. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's funny. I feel like a lot of it happened at the same time. It was like this concurrent theme of just forgiving myself as a whole. And I did two things that I think were really important. And one was I bought the big book that they use for AA or NA that I knew my brother had used and worked through and tried his best to get clean many times. And I went through that and I kind of went through the 12 steps. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I just felt like I want to know more. I wanted to understand him better. I wanted to understand his journey. But I also knew like it can work. It works for so many people. And I knew a big piece of that was forgiveness, right? Of self and of others. And so it was started as kind of just like, I'm interested. And then, I mean, it wasn't like I formally did the 12 steps. I didn't have a sponsor or anything like that. I didn't do it, do it through a program. And anyone who's in AA in no way did I mean to like do it as like flippantly as like, oh, I can just do this for fun. But I really wanted to learn. And so I kind of did. I went through those 12 steps for myself. It meant a lot of cataloging of my sins, of the people I have aggrieved and the things I've done wrong, and some amount of reaching out to the people that I thought I could for forgiveness. But most importantly, I focused on that piece of self-forgiveness. And that's a big part of that program is learning to forgive yourself for those things. And so that process was really important, was just kind of laying it all out there for myself to look at and feeling it. There was a lot of crying. <laughs> I spent a lot of cry years crying after my brother's death. Actually, I spent a few years avoiding it and pretending like nothing was wrong. And then once it, I realized I couldn't do that anymore, then I spent a solid six months doing nothing but crying and just cataloging everything and going through it. And then the other thing I did was run. 
I ran so much at that time and just ran it out. And I ran out my feelings and my thoughts. I spent, I was very lucky. I had an immense amount of privilege that I was able to move back in with my mom, which, you know, at 37 didn't feel much like a privilege, but I recognized that it was, that it is a privilege to have that situation. I moved back in to help her because she wasn't doing well and to help myself and to have time. So I was able to take six months of doing almost no work, very little work, and truly just making myself my only job is to work through this stuff. And so I pounded it out on the pavement and I did a lot of writing, a lot of thinking. And that was where all of that forgiveness came. So it was kind of like the forgiveness for all of the things was all at once. It was just one big healing session of like, I'm absolving myself of all of these sins quote unquote sins that I've had. Because to me, yes, one was like is active choice, but honestly, it's all active choices. Everything I've done have been choices. These are all choices I've made throughout my life. And I recognize that whether they are choices I felt like I had to make, like with my brother or choices that maybe I didn't have to make, but I did recklessly anyway, with having an affair, they were all choices I've made. So, you know, it was just really working through that and saying, like, I'm going to forgive myself for all of those things. Yeah. Was there a phase in there where when did you come to realize that the picture perfect life that you had built was not, you know, it was good enough on paper, good enough for everyone else to see, but not good enough for you and not working for you? Was it like the death of your brother that was a catalyst for all of this? Or was it something that you kind of started to see over time? Yeah, I think it was more about just age and you know, growth of like, I reach a certain age and starting to look around and thinking like, something's not right here. And I don't know what it is. It was really on the heels of building our house. And I think that was probably part of it. We built this big custom home. It was gorgeous and wonderful. And I thought that was going to be the thing that was make me happy. Yeah. Right. So like, I'm like this, that's going to do it because I'm going to have this amazing house and I'm just going to be so like in love with my house. I don't know. It's silly now, but I think very often we think something, some, you know, amazing vacation, some life that we picture is going to be the thing that's going to make us happy. Now, I recognize through the work I've done that that's not the case. If you can't be happy in the moment, then you're not going to be happy anywhere, right? Like you can't find contentment right now, whatever's going on, then there's no contentment for you. But I couldn't see that then. I thought, this will solve it. So I really think building the house and then the six months or so after of realizing like, oh, I still feel the same. Like why are I not feeling so much better. Like I kept acquiring things thinking that was going to be the answer and it wasn't. So that was really what started to help me. Like that's what brought up all the feelings. My brother's death was the nail in the coffin. That was where at that point, you know, my ex and I were separated, but still thinking about maybe working things out despite he knew about the affair then, but we were still like we were in counseling and thinking about maybe working things out. I knew I didn't want to, it was going through the motions because again, I still didn't know how to even stand up for myself. (laughs) But when my brother died, that was really it. I remember so clearly where I was just like, I can remember sitting out on my mom's deck just saying, what am I doing? Life is too short. (laughs) And that was, I hate that it took that, but I'm grateful that I had that opportunity to have the true profound realization that we all need to have that life is too short to be living a life that is not what you really want and is not what's really bringing you contentment. Right. How did you go about this rebuilding? So you're you're living with your mom and you're running a lot, working through the 12 steps. Oh, by the way, I love the running piece because I'm a runner and have been for the last like 20 some year, 25 years. And running initially started out as like a thing to burn calories and became 100% therapy. And now it's like, if there's a problem I need to solve, I'm like, oh, got to go for a run. (laughs) And it's usually only like 20 minutes, but it used to be two hours. My knees can't handle much of it, but it is absolutely like the best therapy for me. So I really appreciate that part. So talk about the running, living with your mom and 
just completely rebuilding. What did that look like? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I basically I took six months of just really nothing but me, which so indulgent and so necessary that I wish like we had some sort of better form of, you know, well, first of all, we need better bereavement leave in this country. We need better mental health in this country and all of those things. Like I wish it's a gift that everyone could have when they're going through some sort of really deep existential sort of crisis to have time because there's nothing else that's really going to quote unquote solve these things for you, right? Like when you're in a place of depression or even just like a crisis, you need time because it's that space of in that time that allows you to do the exploration internally that you need to sit with thoughts, to contemplate choices, you know, to look at all the possibilities to also just be, (laughs) I needed all of that. And so I was very lucky that I had that. So I took that time. And then, you know, I started to slowly rebuild by making new choices and making choices that I knew from that moment on. I mean, truly, it was from the moment my brother died. The second that my brother died and I got that news, like, it was just clear to me that I won't be making choices based on should ever again. Like, that's just not going to happen. And so that's, as I started to rebuild, it was like, I every choice I made, it was like, does this feel good? <laughs> you know, do I want to do this? Is this something I'm wanting? And I still continue to do that 10 years later. I mean, well, it's been like seven years because I spent a couple of years depressed before I started to really rebuild my life. But in these, you know, eight, seven years since, that's it. It's every choice is, is this what I want? Does this feel good? Does this align with my values? Getting clear about my values was really important. And so that's how I went about doing that. So it was just slowly like, what do I really want to be doing for work? Right. And at that time it was like, I was still doing my writing business. What clients do I want to work with? What clients do I not? What kind of writing do I like? Since then that has evolved into saying, Oh yeah, I don't want to do this writing. Even if I make changes in the way I do it, I don't love this. This is not what I want. So what do I want? And so I started thinking maybe I would do personal training because of the running started down that path. That wasn't quite it, but I did find my way to coaching and realizing that's what I wanted to do. But it was all through that same process of does this feel good? No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where-are-my-keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. I so appreciate that it wasn't like this one fell swoop. I think that we want it to be like, I just did this one like cute, fun, sexy thing. And then it was, and then I saw the light. The reality is, is it is one choice at a time, one day at a time. Like it's one little thing at a time. And I'm sure like, that's not the easy answer. And I'm sure if someone had told you as you were living with your mom and just starting out, if someone was like, well, you're now going to have to make 300 small choices over the next eight years. (laughs) And then finally things will be different. Like that's not appealing, but it really is how change is made and how I think we go through the process of forgiveness and how we go through the process of growth. It is like one little step at a time, but they add up in such a compounding way. Yeah. I mean, I think exactly. And I wish that there was like one simple thing. I mean, the answer, <laughs> right. and this is what I will tell people, like, it's actually simple, but it's not easy. So it is simple. It was simple. It was, I no longer made decisions based on should, right? That's simple. That's a really simple idea. It's not easy to put into execution because sometimes that means doing things, you know, it means putting boundaries up that you don't want to put. It sometimes means hurting people's feelings. It sometimes means, you know, being scared financially because you're not willing to do, you know, you don't want to do the thing that is a should that you might need that might have paid a bill or whatever. I mean, it's not easy. It is kind of simple. It is simple to say, I'm going to live a values driven life. I'm not going to do things that just because I think I should, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do things that are right for me and that feel good to me and all of that. But it's not easy. And it wasn't easy. And it's still not easy. You know, all these years later, I still all the time have to watch out about shoulds because it's, I mean, and I do think again, to go back to the patriarchy, not to, you know, beat on them too much, although I'm in a real smash the patriarchy mood lately, but <laughs> this lockdown's really got me. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's welcome here. So go right ahead. <laughs> but again, I just think, especially for women, we are just so conditioned to believe that we need to do that we should be living a life of shoulds, right? That we should be making our choices based on what's best for our kids, what's best for our spouse, what's best for our parents, what's best for society, what's best for the people around us, whatever. It's everyone else first right? And when I work with the women that I coach, that is a hard thing to shift. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself first. You know, we know the the mask on the airplane, you know, that's a little cliche, but it's true of like, put your own mask on first and help others. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to look at your child needing oxygen and say, hold on, I'm gonna put mine on first, right? Right. right. It's not easy. So it is, it's a simple, but not easy thing. And that's, I really think that's kind of what life is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by my very own final workshop of the year. Yep, it's here. Final workshop of 2020. I will be hosting my Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Workshop. So here's the thing. Tenacious Mamas is my business and leadership mastermind where I support mamas, shameless mamas, who are either starting businesses or looking to grow and scale businesses that they've had that are either newish or oldish whatever the case is. So you all know I have been an entrepreneur for 17, almost 18 years. Holy cow, that's a long time. During that time, I have grown three businesses. So started and grown and scaled three businesses and two of them I scaled to multiple six figures a year. So I know a thing or two about starting businesses, growing businesses, scaling businesses, and all the fun things that come with that. I'm telling you, there are a lot of fun things that come with that, but there's also a lot of hard things. So if you're just starting out or you've been going for a while and you're like stuck at a roadblock, I got you. I got you covered. 
come to this workshop where you will learn the essential building blocks to starting and growing a successful business. You will learn how to step into leadership and own your title as CEO. You will learn tips to growing a business that you love that doesn't run you ragged. And you'll learn specifics about my Tenacious Mama's Business and Leadership Mastermind and how it can help you grow and scale your business even in a pandemic. It is entirely possible. If you've been paying attention to me this year, Mama has been hustling. Mama has been nimble and creative and figuring things out and you can do it too and I will show you how and I will show you how to do it in a really supportive way, a really supportive environment. So this call, this workshop is completely free. It's gonna be a ton of fun. I offered this back in May and holy cow, it was such a fun experience. So if you wanna be in a workshop environment with other mamas who are looking to start businesses or looking to grow businesses, show up totally risk-free. You're gonna learn some great things. You're gonna have some fun conversations and we will get to hang out and we will get to talk business and leadership and all the goods that come with that. I think you'll leave feeling lit up, fired up, ready to rock the rest of 2020, ready to get into some 2021 planning. And we get to do it all together. So just go to shamelessmom.com slash tenacious to sign up for free. That's shamelessmom.com slash tenacious. And I'll see you there. I do think when you have these simple guidelines or simple boundaries or simple core values that you decide to live by, or just the simplicity of asking myself, like, does this feel good? Does this feel like the next right step right now? Like one simple little thing like that, which I 100% agree that there's a difference between simple and easy. I think that simplicity provides a really great filter through which you can make decisions. And so while it's not easy, the answer can become so much more clear. If you've decided that I'm not going to do something just because I should, and instead I'm going to do something because it feels like the next best thing for me. And that over time, I do think that that simplicity and that clarity does allow for you to more easily make decisions or for you to more easily see the next right step. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I think it's just the difference between being disempowered and being empowered Yeah, because it's one thing to like believe at that time, I would have believed that it wasn't my fault, right? Everything was happening to me. The world was happening to me. I was a victim of circumstance, a victim of people, whatever, you know, it's easy for us to fall into that trap. No one wants to believe that they're a quote unquote victim because we don't like that word yet. (laughs) They're making their choices and decisions because they believe they're supposed to, because it's not my choice. It's, you know, that's what's expected of me. That's what I have to do. It's what they told me, right? Everything's about someone else, instead of it being saying, I'm making this choice because I want to make this choice. And I think that's more empowered because guess what? Now, maybe there's still times when I do something because I think I should, right? There are still some times when I'll do that on a, like, not on a grand scale anymore, but there are some small decisions I'll make because I think this is what I really should do. Sometimes it involves like family, spending time with family when I don't want to, right? Like (laughs) in a pandemic, I guess I should play Candyland. Right. So there are some shoulds I still do, but the difference is I'm not saying like, oh, this is happening to me. I have to do this, whatever. It's no, now I'm saying, well, I know this is a should, but I'm going to make this choice anyway, because, and I'll tell myself why, like, oh, because it's easier this time, or because I don't want to upset this person because I really love them or whatever the thing is, but I'm making that choice. It's now an empowered choice because I'm making the decision rather than allowing myself to believe that it's happening to me. So I think that subtle change then puts you in a place of being fully empowered, even when you're making the same choices, which I think is really big. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree. Can you talk about what your life looks like today? And this was fun for me to read about when you were filling out your form to come on the show, what your life looks like today, because it involves things you thought you never wanted. (laughs) And so what does life look like today? The pretty parts and the hard parts. 
Yeah, well, I have a kid now. So that's interesting, <laughs> because I definitely didn't think I wanted that. I am a old first time mom, I like to say I was a little bit delayed. I had him at 41. So that's an interesting thing, having a child and being in the Midwest, being an older mom, because I'm like a unicorn here. Um, <laughs> I know I wouldn't be on the coast, but here I am. No, you would fit right in here. <laughs> like. <laughs> So yeah, I'm a mom now, which is a very interesting thing. It's a radical shift to go 40 years of your life, like not having to have a child to care for, to then suddenly having a child. I think it's radical at any time, but it's definitely interesting when you like lived for yourself for so long. So well, now I'm a coach. I work with women around a lot of these same things we're talking about. And then I have a four-year-old son. I'm married, I'm remarried. So my two, my second husband now, and we have a child. We live in St. Louis. And so those like, and I live a really quiet life. My house is definitely not as big as my fancy house used to be. I'm not driving a BMW anymore. I'm driving a 10 year old Suburban. So that's very different. (laughs) Um, You know, but I love all of those things. So the pretty parts of my life now are that I'm in a very good relationship that we communicate and we have confrontations and we know we'll be okay through those. And I'm not doing things that I think I should or shouldn't with that. And I have a child who, despite me thinking I never wanted kids, is now like the light of my life. And I love every, like, he's just the most spectacular little human. And, you know, and we have a nice little house and we have a nice little car that still runs, but none of it's, I just don't care about things. In fact, it's interesting how much less stuff I have. And I just want to get rid of like all my stuff. I don't care about stuff because I now realize none of that's going to bring me fulfillment. You know, the parts that are a little bit hard are like as my son, who is like the greatest joy is also the biggest struggle. Um, Mm -hmm. I love him immensely. I don't love parenting. (laughs) It's not my favorite job. Can you talk a little bit more about that? This is something that comes up kind of frequently in my community. And I actually recently had a mom who joined my membership. And she's like, I'm here because I need to learn how to hate parenting less. (laughs) Like she was so blunt about it. And I was like, I love you. You are in the right place. So can you I think that this is something we don't talk about. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I don't like parenting. (laughs) I love my son. And I think that, again, I'm going to blame the patriarchy because it's another way to keep us in our place and keep us home and make us feel bad and play small because we have all this guilt around like, you're not a good mom if you don't love playing with your child, if you don't love catering to their every need, if you don't love spending every minute with them. But I think that's insanity because... Like just for me, the thing that I probably hate the most is playing with my son. Like I hate imagination play. Oh my gosh. Right there with you. Oh, I hate all of it. I hate duplos. I hate superheroes. I hate like building forts. Do you have to build forts? We're not doing too many forts, but we're doing a lot of superheroes. Oh, just wait. (laughs) I know. I'm sure it's coming. We've done a few, but yeah, I just don't like anything like that's imagination play. And I like at the beginning, I had a lot of guilt. I was like, what's wrong with me? I love him. Why don't I want to play with him? I should want to play with him. But then I think, wait a minute, I'm a 41 year old woman who runs a successful business. And like, if any other 40 year old woman who ran a successful business and didn't have kids was saying like, Oh, I can't wait to play Duplos tonight. You would think (laughs) that woman's crazy. There's something wrong with her, right? We would question somebody who enjoyed playing with children, but that weren't their own children other than like, I get teachers and I, whatever. I think there are some, there's some amount of it, but like, I do think for most of us, we're looking for stimulating conversation. Kids can't provide that. My son's starting to talk and it's nice having little conversations with him finally, but it's not exactly intellectually stimulating, right? Like, and right. that's not the kind of play we do. So like I started to allow myself to release some of that of saying like, 
I'm not supposed to enjoy these things. And it's okay that I don't. And frankly, I don't like children. I don't like other people's children. I love mine, but I don't love other people's children. And I don't have to feel bad about that either because they're not my kids. And it's okay that I can love my son and not enjoy playing with him. It doesn't mean that I don't, I fill that kid with so much love. And I know he knows he's loved. And I do still play. There's some of my shoulds. I do still play with him because I know I should to some degree. But I also am allowing myself to release the guilt around the like idea of feeling like, I don't feel bad that I don't enjoy it. I don't think I should enjoy it. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> and the older and I maybe this will give you hope, the older my son gets, the more I'm able to find things that we can like together. Because that was a struggle in the early years where I, I mean, it was like, Oh, I guess I'll get on the floor and do something. And now I'm like, Oh, we can sit at the table and color. That's I mean, I'll color or all even like doing Legos with him sometimes for short amounts of time. Like there's some things that we are like, and now he can play games that like, I can't stand Candyland. And like, there's so many games that we played. Those were big shuds for me. But now there's games that like we can play together that I actually do enjoy. And like, there's times where I'm asking him, I'm like, well, won't you please play Farkle with me? He's like, mom, not again. <laughs> so I do think that over time that does, there's some evolution there. So, so you have that coming. <laughs> Well, and we're starting to get there a little bit. Like there are things that we are starting to find that we can enjoy together. And so it's nice having some of that. Like we like going on picnics together. I enjoy picnics. So this is great. My husband doesn't like picnics. Now I've got a picnic partner, right? So like right. I'm slowly finding some of those things. So for moms of the real littles, like it does get better because it was really hard in the beginning. But, you know, even within that, there's still going to, I think there will always be some things that I just don't love about parenting. I also don't like having to make hard choices. And I don't like having to discipline. And I, you know, there's just some stuff about it that's just not fun. And I think the idea that we put on women more than men, that being a parent should be like, you're everything and you should love every minute of it is really damaging because it's just not true. Totally. It's funny when you just said you don't like making hard choices. I thought you were going to say you don't like making dinner every night. because that's... Oh, well, I don't do that. I'm very lucky that I have a really good partner who does a lot more of the cooking. So we're yeah, I couldn't because there's things in our life like that's where I mean, like the hard choices. I don't love that. But like, I get real annoyed with things like dinner. <laughs> and not that my husband wouldn't do it. And he'll do like there's time, you know, last night and tonight he's doing he's in charge of dinner. But like 80% of the time I'm in charge of it because I'm kind of a control freak around, about food stuff. And so I just feel better doing it. But I will say during the pandemic, it's my escape because I'm like, oh, I'm in the kitchen and I'm busy with AirPods in while I make dinner. But for a long time, it felt like this heavy burden every day trying to figure it out. And I was very angry about it and I was annoyed. But at the same time, I didn't want to give it up because I didn't really trust my husband's judgment on the whole situation. But I think there's a handful. I think that's also kind of a parallel that runs through many situations and scenarios in motherhood where there's these habits and routines that we have to adopt. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I was signing up for this like every day. <laughs> The cleaning up of toys. <laughs> My husband and I talk about that all the time. We're like, before you start doing some new thing with your kid, think through, are you going to want to do this 80 times in a row? 100%. <laughs> like you'll think, oh, this will be fun and this will be cute or whatever. And then suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, now I'm doing this for like the hundredth time in the last two days. This is not cute. So like, you have to think about that. Oh yeah. 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 We actually, my husband cleaned out the garage recently and we have this like fire pit thing we got from like as a hand-me-down from friends it's like a little like portable fire pit thing and my husband was like oh we forgot that we had that and I was like oh that'd be really fun Vinny would love to roast marshmallows in the backyard during the summer and then we were both like yeah we shouldn't do that like if we do it once I want to do it every night we're like don't get it out <laughs> right 
<laughs> so yeah, these are the things you learn as a parent that you don't realize at first. It's like, oh, anything you're thinking about doing, you have to really think through, are you going to want to do this over and over again? Kids love repetition. <laughs> oh my gosh, do they ever. Which is another thing I don't love about parenting. <laughs> right. Like reading the same book every night in a row. Like, oh, I don't. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait till you're so we are reading Harry Potter right now. And I don't I mean, talking about like fantasy play and make believe and all that. Like I am in the minority, but I'm not into Harry Potter. And I understand that everyone else in the world. I'm not. I, so just prepare yourself because it's you will spend years. We're like in our second or third year reading Harry Potter every single night. And we're only in the fourth book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I'm soulmates with you because I do not like fantasy and I consider Harry Potter part of fantasy. Like I don't do fantasy movies or any of that. And we also don't like superheroes for the same reason. And so we're like, we're lucky we have a set of friends who love superhero movies. So we've already said like, you're taking him to all of those. Yeah. We're not doing that. So I hope that works out. Maybe they like Harry Potter. I need to find a Harry Potter friend. (laughs) Yes, you do. You do. Because it is a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Too many of those books. Oh, then the books are like 5,000 pages long. And everyone is longer than the one before. <laughs> so. And not to mention now that J.K. Rowling is to be is known as being so problematic. Now we have to read her books too? No, thanks. And then there's that. And I'm like, am I going to really like, am I going to take them away from him? Am I going to like take a stand on this? Are we going to continue? Especially when he doesn't understand those issues at all. And then that becomes a whole other conversation. It's like- right. I know. I was like, why did you have, I mean, this, I was already not into this. And now there's this whole new layer around. <laughs> that I'm not into. And yeah, it's very problematic. Okay, so I want you to tell people how do you work with moms and or with women and tell us a little bit about your coaching and what that all looks like. Yeah, so my work is with women, mostly moms. So that works out well. And I work with them on understanding kind of assessing where you're at now, figuring out what's working and not working, then looking and understanding where you want to go. And that piece usually is sometimes the hardest for people. I think, again, for women, because we have also not always been allowed to dream and to dream bigger. And so helping women do that piece of dreaming and dreaming bigger and thinking about what they really want. And then we start to figure out how do we bridge that gap? What's not working? What's missing? What tools do you still need to help you get there? A lot of times it's around things like imposter syndrome or money mindset, but a little bit of, you know, we kind of work through all of those things on helping people start to show up in the way they really want to show up. I mean, my biggest goal, like my mission is really to help women feel empowered. Like we were talking before, like I've had clients that end up making some of the very same choices they were already making, but because they've learned how to make them from an empowered place, they feel better about their lives, even though nothing else has changed, which is why I say I like to help women find contentment in the here and now, because if you're not content in the moment, if you think something else is going to save you, something else is going to change it, you're never going to find contentment. So we have to learn how to find that contentment in the here and now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Well, I think for me, the biggest thing is like just owning the fact that I don't love momming a lot of the time. So like my Instagram stories are a lot of times just me saying things like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this again. Or what am I doing here? Like, and just by sharing that, by being honest with my community around the idea of like, I don't love this most of the time. I love my son. I always feel like I have to say that piece, even though I think it should go without saying but I just don't really love a lot of this. This is really not that fun. This is not that enjoyable. And just by being honest about that, I've had so many women say like, thank you. I feel so guilty saying that, but I feel the same way. And I think women need to know that they're not alone in that and that it's also okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely love and appreciate that. Because you know what? I don't see men, by the way, <laughs> complaining about being dads because I also don't see them talking about being excited about being dads. Being a dad is just one piece of what they do, right? Yes. They have their career. They happen to have kids. They happen to be runners or, you know, whatever it is. They have a hobby. They go drink beer. But like, it's just one of the things. Whereas with women, we're expected, it's like somehow we think that that is supposed to be the number one thing, right? And everything else has to be prioritized lower. And so I just want to help people start to see like, you don't have to do that. We don't have to prioritize ourselves and everything else we love so far below being a mom. Being a mom is one of the things about me, but there are so many other things about me. And I don't want to lose all those other things because they more than even being a mom are what make me awesome. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amen. Amen. Love it. Okay. So good. So tell people where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? All those good things. Well, if you want to see my really exciting Instagram stories, you can connect with me on Instagram. It's just everyone wants to see your Instagram stories now. (laughs) Oh, of course. Becky Mollenkamp, or you can go to beckymollenkamp.com and there you can find lots of free resources and things to help you if you're wanting to make some mindset shifts or get on my email list and hear from me there. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. So we'll have everything linked up in the show notes. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Becky Mollenkamp, you'll be able to click right through to all the good stuff. Becky, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be connected with you, especially after seeing you everywhere the last few weeks. (laughs) Thank you. And really, really grateful for your time and the gifts that you shared with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I love people who are willing to have honest conversations. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. 
And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.